While playing a little bit of college ball in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I often participated in the age-old debate involving the controversial designated hitter. Many of my teammates were Phillies fans, and they would swear up and down that the DH just ruined the game of baseball. Of course, with my Maryland roots, I was obviously in favor of the pitcher not hitting. The NL was strategic, boring baseball, and the AL had that power and, and that excitement. But I think the time has come. The time for the leagues to either adopt the DH or get rid of it and then put this issue to rest. So let's talk about it. Play ball! Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Ball and Mitt Podcast, a willy-nilly talk show about baseball life and the occasional knee slapper. So grab your Cracker Jacks, sit back, and relax. It's gonna be a doozy. Here's your host, the Bees Knees himself, Brian Brama. Hey, baseball fans. I am your host, Brian Brammer, and this is the Ball and Mitt Podcast, Episode 8. Let me tell you, it is hot. You know, if it wasn't for the baseball season, I vote we skip summer altogether. Let me get uh, on my cantankerous soapbox here for just a second. The sweat-drenched clothes, the blinding sun, the suffocating humidity, and the lack of clothing on people that should always wear a parka are enough for me to request a fourth surgery just so I have an excuse to stay indoors all doped up. Now, have you ever heard of SAD? It's acronym S-A-D. It is a seasonal affective disorder. It's a real type of depression in which the seasons of fall and winter drastically affect a person's mood and energy. Interestingly enough, I get ecstatic when the fall weather hits, which in Raleigh, North Carolina, doesn't happen. Just goes from heat to freezing ice and skips the fall altogether. I love October through March. Well, come to find out, there is something actually called reverse sad. It describes those that have a mood change and loss of energy during the summer months, but feel more at ease and comfortable during the typical down months. And you may ask, Brian, why do you still live in North Carolina then? Well, I actually ask myself that question every single day, and yet, here I still am. Okay, well, enough rambling. I want to try to do something different to see if it helps the show feel more concentrated. I don't ever want to go on longer than I need to about any particular topic just to fill time. I don't want it to be a filler. I want to make sure the baseball and life talk comes rolling along. It just it flows, and it's not just something that I say, let's talk about life, because I didn't have anything else to put in the description of this podcast. So I want to start doing a headline news section uh, towards the beginning of each episode. So since this is a weekly show, and I focus on maybe just one topic, sometimes I can't speak to small bits of baseball news that happen on a day-to-day basis through that week. I have the pop-ups, but that's not always ideal. I can't always just stop what I'm doing and report on something I see and record it right away. So let's let's give this a go. Headline number one, a dead body was found Tuesday afternoon around 3.30 and a walk-in freezer at SunTrust Park. The man was identified as 48-year-old Todd Keeling of White Bear Lake, Minnesota. He was actually the inventor of DraftWell, a technology that was expected to cut down pour times from 14 seconds to five. That, that's, a, that's a big difference. Police have no reason to suspect foul play at this time. 
More than likely, he got trapped in the freezer and was unable to escape in time. I don't know exactly how that happens. I did work in a meat department, and it's very difficult to get trapped in those freezers uh, unless you can't get any traction on the ground and push the door open. I don't know what happened. Maybe he passed out or, or something like that. It's unfortunate. Uh, I do hope that his family is able to reap the benefits of his hard work and ingenuity in, in, in order to honor his death. Sunday night during the Philadelphia-Washington uh, game, Philly's third baseman, Michael Franco, slipped on first base due to a rain delay nearly damaging his knee. Now, if you remember, the same thing happened to Bryce Harper last August. Franco did not return to the game, but has returned to the lineup since. Now, this brings up a topic. It's been discussed before, but perhaps this incident renews the conversation to think about making the base, at least first base, safer. Some uh, say maybe a new type of material or even adopt the double base design to eliminate collisions. I know when I played some uh, co-ed softball or maybe even adult softball, I'm not sure, you had the white base lined up as normal and then on the right of the foul line was an orange base which was used for the runner um, or the hitter or anything else but the fielder. And this would uh, stop collisions from happening. Now that's not going to prevent slipping but it's, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, so I say let's do both. What do you guys think? Let me know. I'm interested in your thoughts. Headline number three, Nick Markakis is the first player in the National League to reach 100 hits, and he did it oh so quietly. I'm a huge Markakis fan. I was very disappointed when the Orioles didn't re-sign him several years ago. Now, there's even talks that if he can play as long as he can, if he kind of stays off the disabled list, if if the Braves put him in a position where it doesn't wear and tear on his body, that he may actually be able to reach 3,000 hits. He's a great leader, plays great defense, has some speed, and just hits the ball well. I actually, and this is kind of sad, kind of shows the state that our, our baseball game is in right now. I read somewhere that he only hits singles. Like, that was not a compliment. It was almost like, well, that's all he does is hit singles. And my response to that was, and? Isn't that what you want in a player? Base hits. I'm afraid that that comment summed up, like I said, where we are currently in the sport and what is overemphasized. Here's your sign. Headline number four. According to a June 26th article on Big12Sports.com, Big 12 Conference Baseball saw game length drop by 13 minutes during the 2018 league games. The average length of play in 2017 was three minutes and 17 uh Three hours and 17 minutes. Wow, that'd be a quick game. Uh, three hours and 17 minutes. While in 2018, the length had dropped to three hours and four minutes. Now, reports are stating that a utilized visible pitch clock is the reason for the decrease in game duration. Additionally, the conference was able to reduce the time between pitches with the bases empty from 20 to 15 seconds. So they're having the time between pitches lessen as well. We also know that the visible uh, clock is being used in the minor league games as well. I see it. I went to Durham Bulls game. It's, I, I, I'm assuming there's one behind the umpire, but there's one definitely in the outfield wall, well, beyond the wall so that everybody else can see it. But I assume there's also one for the pitcher to see. Like it or not, I, I feel that it is inevitable that this same mechanic will creep into the major league, especially if there's a 13-minute drop. Now, I think there needs to be more investigation in regards to was the visible pitch clock the reason why these games dropped? I mean, it's the only new change or the biggest change uh, in the Big 12 this year. 
a visible pitch clock, and then they see this noticeable difference. Again, I think we need to see this happen as a pattern for about three, four, five years before we can make some, some definite conclusions. Number five, according to AP News, a new exhibit at the National September 11 Memorial and Museum highlights the impact of sports after the 2001 attacks. I thought this was pretty cool. It includes the Mets win in New York's first major sporting event after uh, the events of 9-11. The exhibit is named Comeback Season, Sports After 9-11. It explores how sports helped unite the country and features interviews with, uh, with athletes. There's a notable quote on display from the manager Bobby Valentine. At that, at that time, it was Bobby Valentine uh, for the Mets. It says, when we went down there the first time, you could still smell it. You could still feel it. You could see the filth on the faces of the workers. When they saw us, their faces lit up. You could see their teeth through their black masks. It'd be great to uh, take a look at that exhibit whenever you're we're in that area. So that has been recently opened. Number six here, Jason Worth. Him and his long locks and that luscious beard has officially caught it quits on his major league career. Worth signed a minor league deal with the Mariners in April, Mariners in April of this year. And his exact words to MLB Network insider John Heyman was, I'm done, or whatever you want to call it. Well, no mincing words there. He even, he even revealed that once he was signed to the Mariners minor league deal, that he knew he would never step on uh, the field again. He just knew, I'm done. I've, I've reached that point. Let's move on. And final news here, the Orioles are the worst team in Major League Baseball. But then again, that's not really news, so let's keep moving. All right, so the designated hitter, the spot in the lineup where you place your slugger, your defensive liability, or your worn-out player who just needs a rest. Oftentimes, it's where you place that one player that still thinks he has a place in the sport a way to prolong a man's career. It's like that quote from School of Rock. Those who can't do, teach. And those who can't teach, teach Jim. And let's give you the baseball version of that. Those who can't play, just hit. And those that can't hit, will quit and play soccer. Hey, just a little bit of a World Cup humor for you. Go Mexico, right? Okay, I need to move forward before I lose two subscribers to that. Uh, go Landon Donovan. Now, of course, I'm being facetious about the DH, but am I really? It's kind of a um, tongue-in-cheek sort of thing. I think those who have always been against the DH agree with my joking sentiment. There are a plethora of views on what should or shouldn't be done with this controversial position. Now, there are seemingly three positions that exist, and those these three positions are what I want to talk about today. I want to give you information, kind of point out, what their pros are, why they are advocating for that particular position, and then kind of make a conclusion towards the end. So again, it's going to be informative with a little bit of my take in there, but I just want to relay this to you and give you like the full picture the best that I can. So these three positions are, are this. Adopt the DH for both leagues. Drop the DH altogether, so neither leagues will have it, or just keep things the way they are. But as always... Before we dive into into today's topic, let's pause for the infamous knuckleball trivia. Welcome to this episode's knuckleball trivia, the part of the show where I try to stump you with the riddle or question, and then I forget to give you the answer when I told you I would. 
And hopefully everyone is enjoying these questions and finding them informative. And hopefully I can actually remember to post them Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. If I ever forget, it just means I'm giving you a little more time to take a guess. So here we go. This one's kind of a mouthful. Pay attention. It's a good one, I think. Which of the following three facts about Babe Ruth are not true? Okay, I'm going to list seven facts. Which ones, which three are not true? Number one, the Baby Ruth candy bar was named after him. Number two, he spoke German and Portuguese. Number three, he used leaves from a cabbage head to keep cool on hot game days. Number four, he would sneak out to the bar for a drink and snack in between at-bats. Number five, he was one of only two baseball players with the last name of Ruth. Number six, he really struggled with remembering people's names, even his teammates. And number seven, he was the subject of a war cry that said, to hell with Babe Ruth. Now, feel free to list the numbers in a private message to me on Twitter when guessing the trivia. You don't have to type all three of those out. You have until Monday at 6 p.m. to answer. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to... No, you can just play it back. I don't want to waste our time going over again. So there's seven of those statements. Three of those are not true. So they are false. All right. So in the words of Marco from Tripoya, from the movie Taken, good luck. All right. Now, this discussion can go a couple of ways. I mentioned earlier that there are three options regarding the DH. But how, how, but how you argue for any one of these positions depends on how you think the league should function or how you think the game should be played. What are the obligations of players in the league? How you answer or approach this question will steer you to your logical conclusion. I think a case can be made for all three options, to be honest. I really do. So let's take a look at them one at a time, let them make their case, and then try to form a well-informed conclusion. All right, position number one. No DH. Okay, position number one, let's get rid of the DH. There are actually a few advocates of the no DH in any league camp. As I mentioned in the very beginning of this episode, I played baseball with several guys who think the DH rule in the American League is a pansy rule. I consider them the true purist. Since the inception of the game, all nine positions were given a chance to step into the batter's box and make contact with the ball. The ninth position was reserved, usually, for the pitcher. They were typically the worst hitters, if you can call them that. And when I say if you can call them that, hitters. If, if you can't hit the ball, it's kind of hard to call you a hitter. And so they would be the last to step up to the plate. You play a position in the field, you're going to be in the lineup. Simple, cut, and dry. That's the view of those that advocate this position. Now, as the game progressed, there were a couple of attempts to replace the pitcher spot in the lineup with the replacement, with another legit hitter. Another player who was highly skilled at making the bat hit the ball to an open spot in the field. That's the job of a hitter. It wasn't until 1963 that the American League adopted the designated hitter for a three-year trial. And now 55 years later, it still stands. Now, the National League did not decide to jump ship. It stuck to its guns like a stubborn old Ebenezer Scrooge. Side note, 
Muppets Christmas Carol is the best Christmas movie, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and A Christmas Story are the worst Christmas movies, and Die Hard isn't even a Christmas movie. But as always, I digress. So, the National League has its own 55-year record. I can't say the word record because I'm trying to hold in the laugh of that tangent. I love Christmas, by the way. Okay, let's start over. So, the National League has its own 55-year record in not adopting the DH rule. Those that think the NL staying true to the game by not taking on the DH love the strategy and versatility that has shown up during these NL matchups. And by the way, I think interleague play is stupid. Anyway, watching an NL team's manager maneuver and shift his relief pitchers while at the same time trying to maintain order and offensive effectiveness in his lineup from one to nine is like a ballet for the baseball nerd. On numerous occasions did I overhear my buddies swooning over how their favorite team implemented the double switch in order to squeak out a tight win. This is why the National League is so much better than the American League, they would exclaim. And you know what? I can, I can also see why some people would enjoy watching the pitcher come up to the plate, holding the bat like a club used for smashing Barney Rubble over the head. It was goofy, but also somewhat endearing. And bringing this into today's context, there are quite a few starting pitchers that know how to swing the bat. Unfortunately, those guys are the exception to what we see on a day-to-day basis. A pitcher's hitting performance has been on the decline since the turn of the century, and it's not going to get any better. However, those who are proponents for no DH in either league are completely okay with that. They've been operating off of a eight and a half man lineup since the beginning. They're cool with it, and they think you should be as well. There's even the argument that using the pitcher's ninth batting position for sacrifice bunts wouldn't really be considered a wasted out like it is today. I mean, no one was expecting much from that part of the lineup anyway, so why not get a sacrifice out of it without diminishing a player's war, BA, OBP, or RESPECT? It's kind of a win win. Either way, you want a position on the field, you serve your due diligence in the lineup. It's the way the game was created and the way it was intended to be played. And teams adjusted and strategized accordingly. No ifs, ands, or buts. Both the NL and the AL should not have the designated hitter. Now here are the bottom line assumptions for this view. The two leagues should not be different. There needs to be complete uniformity. All defensive position players should also be required to bat. This position allows for a greater degree of strategy, and it allows for teams to demonstrate more versatility within its roster. The game was fine the way it was created, and the D8 should never have been adopted. That's, that's a summation of their view. All right, position two. You should have a DH in both leagues. This view seems to be gaining a lot of traction, and maybe the direction the league goes in the next five or so years. To be honest, I had some trouble trying to find recent news of baseball fans or analysts that advocated for the DH to be eliminated altogether. I, however, did not have any trouble finding articles or information on why the DH should be accepted by both leagues. Now, considering the current climate of professional baseball right now, this stance uh, seems to be the most popular and discussed one. I'll start off with this headline from Ben Lindbergh, MLB writer for TheRinger.com. Here it is. Let's stop pretending that pitchers can hit. Sadly, not everyone is Ohtani. I just said his last name because I always struggle with the first name. Pitcher 
hitting has never been worse, and it's time to evolve beyond MLB's vestigial limb and bring the DH to the National League. It's a good thing we don't mince words here on the Ball and Mitt podcast. So let's go through some of the reasons or arguments for lack of a better word. Okay. A. As mentioned earlier, the pitcher's offensive contribution has forever trended downward. Yes, late in the 1800s, the pitcher was merely a human soft-toss machine. He would throw underhand and place the ball right where the batter requested. In fact, a friend of mine that I actually met because of this podcast, uh, Jeff, at Baseball uh, Iowa, reminded me that a pitcher would actually receive an error if he would walk a player. Basically, the pitcher was obligated to throw the batter beach balls because of this skill that a pitcher possessed. Well, because of the skill of just lofting the ball up there, uh, the pitcher wasn't, it wasn't something that had to be honed or focused on their whole career. They just tossed the ball. They didn't have to concentrate and learn all these pitches. They tossed the ball, and it was, and when it was their turn to bat, the ball was tossed to them, and they smacked it. Completely different from how it is today. As the pitcher started to become a more specialized position with a very specific and demanding skill, their focus on hitting lessened. And as ball players grow up and hitting doesn't come naturally, you just teach them to pitch. A pitcher is selected for a skill that is in no way related to hitting. Point B, there have been more and more injuries due to a pitcher attempting to swing, slide, or run the bases. We had Tanaka go down earlier this month. Uh, DeGrom hurt his arm just swinging. And very recently, Dylan Bundy landed on the DL due to a sprained ankle he suffered on the base path during interleague play. Oh, and have I mentioned that I think interleague play is dumb? I have? Okay. Point C. Speaking of interleague play, that is actually a reason why many say we should just go for it. Each team plays 20 interleague games per year. That's approximately 13% of the season in which the leagues play each other. Now, although it's just 6.5% of the season in which AL pitchers hit because half the games are in the AL, half are in the NL, not including the World Series. It's just another step to complete um, uniformity. We're already playing cross leagues, so let's just let's just merge these and get closer and closer to these uh, two leagues marrying each other. Bud C League was successful in getting both league uh, leagues to actually mirror one another. Uh, honestly, the only difference that remains is that the NL has not adopted the DH. That's the last puzzle piece. And point D. There's also the fact that many in this camp just snore when a pitcher comes to bat. They claim it is bad for the game and it doesn't move the game forward. Do fans really want to watch uh, an eight-man lineup and an automatic out? Some say yes, while more say no. And honestly, with the direction StatCast and Sabermetrics are going, more exciting is the name of the game. So here's this position's bottom line. The two leagues should not be different. Same as the previous position. There needs to be complete uniformity. Same as the previous position. But that's where the similarities stop. The pitcher has no business in the batter's box. It is nothing positive for the sport or its fan base. The offensive surge and excitement would be present for every single game regardless of the league. And it allows for teams to put one more potent bat in the lineup. The game should have been changed a long time ago in both leagues and the D8 should have been adopted for both leagues at the same time. In fact, there is no reason why the NL does not adopt the DH right now. Position three, just leave it alone. Leave it as it is. This last position is more of a status quo stance. I won't spend too much time here. There isn't actually too much that needs to be said, but this is more of a wait and see approach or let's not touch a good thing. 
although the DH is practically the only thing left that differentiates the two leagues, it is still a noticeable factor. There is most certainly a difference. Um, there's most certainly a, a different feeling that I get when I watch a National League a game compared to the American League game. Maybe a lot of it has to do with the fact that I grew up watching only the American League. Even my second favorite team was uh, in the AL was the Minnesota Twins with Kirby Puckett and Chuck Knobloch. I love Kirby. But as I've gotten older, I watch whatever game is on, and, and I still feel that difference. The approach, the pace of play, the strategy. I think a lot of these, a lot of this, these ideas are driven by the lack of a DH, that missing component. Those that advocate that things should stay the way they are actually like the nuances between the leagues. And interleague play is something to get excited about. They look forward to it. You get to see an AL team bat their pitchers, and the NL team gets an extra legitimate hitter. And it's interesting and exciting to see how each team adjusts to walking in someone else's shoe to borrow the colloquialism. Let's just keep things the way they are. Nobody's getting hurt. Let's not rock the boat. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Status quo cliche after cliche after cliche. Now, here's the bottom line assumptions for this view, view number three, of keeping it the way it is. The two leagues should remain different. It's good for the sport. Uniformity is not as important as some think. The NL bats their pitcher and implements its strategy in the context of substitutions. The AL bats an extra player as its strategy to increase rump production and therefore win percentage. This position allows for diversity across the sport. The league made a wise decision in allowing the leagues to approach the DH differently. Please just leave everything the way it is currently. Now, hopefully that was a fun little exercise in interpreting the landscape of the DH that, that, that is li- uh, laid before us. And here's my final conclusion. Based upon everything that we've heard, what I've read, um, other things that perhaps you have said on Twitter or other forums, is I wish pitchers in both leagues would hit on a nightly basis. I do. But in order for this to be beneficial, they have to approach the skill of hitting more seriously. And unfortunately, this won't happen. So my desire, it's a pipe dream. And I get it. Could things stay the same? I really don't see that happening. In today's current state, the probability of there being a rule change is much higher than a rule staying the same. It's a little ridiculous in my opinion, but it is what it is. A lot of rules are changing and it's happening too quick. And I think we need to just slow down. Anyway, now will the NL finally adopt the designated hitter? Yes. Maybe not next year or the year after, but it's coming and it's inevitable. As the game moves forward, pitchers and NFL quarterbacks are being viewed with a similar philosophy. They are protected beyond reason protected from injury, but also protected from embarrassing the league and harming this offensive-driven era. Even the NFL, offense, offense, offense. And let's be real. The MLB will do whatever brings them the most attention, the greatest fanfare, and the most cash money. Okay, I'm done. Let's wrap it up. Welcome to our closing segment. I find things that I think will induce a belly laugh and attempt to be witty. I have fun. Hopefully you do as well, but somehow I doubt it. Here's three strikes. Strike one. The Omaha Storm Chasers, the Royals AAA team, is hosting a Fortnite-themed night on August 6th, complete with themed jerseys. 
Fortnite is a first-person shooter video game on all platforms that has taken the gaming industry by storm. If you want to boost your self-esteem, find me online to get yourself an easy kill and win. I won't be hard to find. I'm actually the only one endlessly jumping up and down facing the corner wall, shooting myself in the face because I just can't learn the controls. And by the way, you'll probably see um, David Price online as well. He might, he might not even pitch on August the 6th because he's too busy doing some Fortnite. Strike two. Don't let anyone tell you that there's, a, that there's no life after sports. Many athletes receive commercial deals to create brand awareness for certain products. And don't be embarrassed if the product is less than ideal. After D-backs pitcher Archie Bradley revealed that he pooped his pants during a recent game, I'm sure his agent received some interesting phone calls. And just like the riddle that I would always say growing up, just so it rhymed, when you're running to the mound and you lose a couple pounds, diarrhea. And strike three. The Erie Seawolves, AA affiliate of the Detroit Tigers, unveiled a unique treat for their sugar rush night. I like cotton candy. I enjoy hot dogs. And I love nerds. The candy, that is. But don't you dare use cotton candy as a bun and put a hot dog inside to then sprinkle nerds on top. I'm not joking. The cotton candy hot dog is a real thing. But hey, if you want a major league diaper endorsement, maybe you should be a taste tester. All right, I'm done. This was actually kind of terrible, and I promise to do better next time. That's three strikes, and I'm out. See ya! Well, folks, that's a wrap. This has been a Ball and Mitt podcast production. Take a gander at our website, and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Farewell, baseball fans!